Okay, what I'd love to do is I, I'd love to just say a brief word of prayer, and then we're going to jump in. We've got quite the journey to uh, walk through this morning, so I hope you are ready. If not, I'll try and get you ready. Uh, Father God, thank you for the gift of this time, the right here and the right now. Uh, you brought us here, God. We woke up. That was not of our own power, but that was a gift from you. Uh, you opened our eyes this morning, so we bless you, God, for another day for life, and we don't want to take that for granted. We want to live it to the full, and so as we gather here this morning, as you have gathered your church, may we have ears to hear and hearts to understand what you have for each one of us this morning. Holy Spirit, that you would move, speak, nudge, pull, guide us into your truth, that we may live it out so that the world may know that you are good that you are love, and that you desire to put us back together and send us into the world to put it back together. We pray this in the name of the resurrected Jesus. And the church said, amen. We are going to begin in Psalm 24. We're just going to look at the first two verses, and it's going to take us on a journey. Now, the Psalms sit right in the middle of the scriptures, and it was for uh, the ancient church in many ways. This was their songs. This was their liturgy. This is a lot of what kind of centered them or the Psalms. And so in Psalm 24, it begins this way. And so if you would even repeat after me, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas, and he established it on the waters. Now, this is important because the scriptures come to us from the Eastern world, the Eastern mind, and the Eastern mind thinks in terms of pictures, images, metaphors. That's how they were, so it was very active. What does it look like? We in the Western world tend to think in terms of bullet points, statements, mathematics. We tend to be more facts. And so the Eastern world is images, pictures, metaphors. They, they seem to be more in the imagination. And so a lot of their writing would be that. What kind of picture is being created? And so here in the beginning in the psalm where it says the earth is Lord's and everything in it, and then it talks about the seas and the waters. Now to the Eastern mind, the seas and the water represent chaos. And it says God founded everything on the seas. And so these, the seas represent chaos, and so what God was doing is he was bringing order to chaos. He's saying he founded all of this in the midst of chaos, and God brought order to the chaos. So Psalm 24 announces first and foremost who God is. He is the creator. But it also announces how God does this. Out of chaos, he creates order which takes us to Genesis at the very beginning, 1, 1 and 2. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Now in the Hebrew, this is key. It's tohu vavohu. Go ahead, say tohu vavohu. Tohu vavohu. Now what this means, tohu means chaos. So what it is, is it's chaos and emptiness is what it is. God created the earth, and he did this out of chaos 
One scholar or scholars interpret it one ways in which you will see is wild and waste. There was wild and waste. There was chaos, and God created out of that. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit, that is the ruach, of God was hovering over the waters. The spirit was hovering over the chaos. That's how it opens. And then Genesis 1, 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now this is stunning, and this is amazing, because this God is an artist which is brand new in the history of the world. Now, at this time, there were actually all kinds of creation narratives. There are all kinds of creation stories. One of the most famous we've learned actually a lot about in the last 50 years is called the Enuma Elish. It's a Babylonian ancient creation story called the Enuma Elish. You can look into it. It's brilliant in so many ways. When you look at some of these creation stories, you actually see how ours mirrors these creation stories, but then there's some differences. And here in this Enuma Elish, the high god Marduk, the high god Marduk slays the god Tiamat, who is the god of the seas or the god of chaos, and Marduk slays Tiamat and then takes and rips her carcass in two and with one half creates the heavens and the other half creates the earth. And so creation comes about through violence. And all of these other creation stories you have in the ancient world are they come out of violence. One God battling another God, and from that violence, the earth and creation is come forth. We have a God that does not create out of violence, but out of art. This God speaks light and there is light. This is a brand new thing in the history of the world. This story begins with speech. Words, as one scholar puts it, words create brand new worlds. Abraham Joshua Heschel, the late great, said words create new worlds. God speaks it into being. So God crafts humanity, invites humanity then to partner with him in cultivating and moving creation forward in an ever-expanding masterpiece of, and the word in the beginning is shalom, that is peace, wholeness, completeness. So humanity is invited to participate with God in this. Humanity, as we know, you know, maybe, that takes things off course, right? We read about this. Humanity goes off course. They take things off course. And then in Genesis 12, though, God calls a man named Abram, later to be named Abraham, and he says, here's what I'm going to do. God says to Abram, we're going to create a brand new tribe. But the difference is there are all these tribes, and the tribes are about being on top. God says, I'm going to create a new tribe through you, Abram, and this tribe will be a blessing to the entire world. You're going to be blessed to be a blessing, also brand new in the history of the world. You're not going to go and slaughter and kill everybody. You're going to bless those who bless you, but those who curse you, yikes. So this is what God does. Then what comes out of this, we get Israel, the nation of Israel, and Israel is supposed to be a light unto the world. They're supposed to be God's people, showing people what God is like. 
But Israel goes off course as well. And when Israel goes off course and then is brought into exile into Babylon, then we get the poets and the prophets. And the poets and the prophets, the prophets begin to speak. See, here's the problem. Here's how you were supposed to live. And when you did not, now we end up where we're at. And so one of the prophets, Jeremiah, says this. After being in captivity in Babylon, Jeremiah says, I looked at the earth and it was formless and empty. It was what? Tohu vavohu in the Hebrew. And at the heavens and what? And their light was gone. So Jeremiah says, because you have gone off course, we're right back to wild and waste. Tohu vavohu. And the light that God spoke, you were supposed to live that out and you have not. And now here we sit in darkness and chaos once again. And this is how the Hebrew scriptures end with the question kind of raising, what now? We're in chaos and there is darkness. Now, in the beginning, it said the spirit, spirit was hovering over the earth. Now, in the Psalms 104.30, two things happen when spirit is hovering. The first one is Psalm 104.30 says this. When you send your spirit, they, that's creatures, all creatures, are created. So where there is spirit, then there is creation. That's part one. And you, God, renew the face of the ground. So there is creation and there's recreation. The word there is kadash. Go ahead and say kadash. Kadash means to renew, repair, or recreate. Where there is spirit, there's creation or recreation. And then what's beautiful, so it's renewing the face of the ground. The word ground there is adama. And it means a couple of things. The Hebrew always means a number of things. It means ground. There you go. And it also means where we get the word Adam or the human. That's all Adam in the beginning is the human. And so it, to renew the face of creation and humanity. Where there is spirit, there is creation, and there's recreation of creation and humanity. Fascinating. Where there is spirit. So in the end, at the end of the Hebrew scriptures anyways, there needs to be, the question is hanging in the air, hey, this story is back to tohu vavohu and darkness, is there going to be healing, redemption, and recrea recreation? The tension is thick, and the question is out there. Will God repair what has been broken, what has gone off course? So then we move to what we call the New or the Newer Testament. And in Matthew chapter 3, we have this incredible story. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, why this is important is the wilderness or the desert, if you will. What that's saying is an unexplored area. It's not someone doesn't have rights to it. It's irreligious. And so John comes in actually this unoccupied area and says, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. It's come near. Here it is. He's announcing it out there in the wilderness. And then in verse 5, it says, People went out to him, John, from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, 
confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Confessing their sins. Why did they go out to be baptized? They were going to confess their sins. Here are all the ways they're announced that we have gone off course. We've blown it. As a people, we've taken this story off course. We're going to confess, be baptized. The whole idea is to turn or return to God. Now, here's the thing. We'll throw a map up on the screen. Um, of where this took place, which you have up top is Mount Hermon, and then you have the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River runs through, well, and at the bottom of Mount Hermon, it, the, the Jordan River goes into the Sea of Galilee, and then the Sea of Galilee back into the Jordan River, the Jordan River into the Dead Sea. Now, un, it's kind of where the Jordan River is, it'd be a little south of there, and, and then where it says Israel, this is like the Judean des desert, and so it'd be uh, in kind of where the Jordan River is, somewhere around there that John is baptizing, that he is doing this. Now, my wife and I, just a couple months ago in May, did a biblical studies trip in Israel. So I spent two weeks in Israel, and we got to explore, walk, hike. It was a hiking, exploring study trip where we walked the text. So we begin here, and in the Jordan River, and then the next picture gives you, uh, here in May, this is the Jordan River. Uh, and so when we were there in the Jordan River, and if you're thinking, wow, I assumed that maybe the Jordan River would be this massive, big, no, it's not, it's small. And this is kind of dry season, so in the rainy season, it'd be a little bit bigger, but it's not that big. And so John was here baptizing in the Jordan River. Then, in chapter 3, it says, then Jesus, in verse 13 and 14, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Which is kind of odd, which John says, tried, John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Why is John raising the question? Why is he saying, no, 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 this isn't right? Because people are coming to what? Confess their sins. Jesus, the sinless, unblemished lamb of God, why would you come to be baptized by me? You don't have any sins to be confessed. Jesus responds to John to tell him what's going on. Jesus replied in verse 15, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. What that would mean is we should do everything righteousness requires. Then John consented because what Jesus is saying is I need to fully identify with humanity. The word came in the flesh, and so he was fully human. And he's saying, John, I need to fully identify with humanity. Humanity is chaotic, and I'm going to identify with humanity fully. I'm not here to avoid humanity. I'm not here to stand above humanity, but to fully identify with humanity. So we need to do this. John goes, oh, okay, let's do this. Then... John baptizes him, and it says in verse 16 and 17, huge, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my boy, this is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Those that are watching this, what are they picking up on? huge. He went up out of the water. Jesus rises up out of chaos. He comes up out of the water. What do they see? What do they pick up on? The first hearers 
Oh, Jesus comes up out of the chaos. Spirit is above the waters. Ruach is here to renew and repair. And then it says to like a dove, the spirit alights on him. Now, the technical language here, like a dove, means to flutter. That's how it would be unpacked, to flutter. The spirit was fluttering like a dove over the chaos. Now we go back to Genesis 1, verse 2, and it says this, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the Hebrew, hovering means to flutter like a dove. So when they see this happening and Jesus is being baptized and he comes up, they go, whoa. He is rising up out of the chaos and the spirit again is fluttering over the chaos. This is a new creation story happening right in front of us. God is bringing forth a brand new world right here in front of our eyes. A new creation in and through Jesus is happening right here and right now. Whoo! So Jesus enters into the chaos to bring order, healing, and shalom. Jesus enters into the chaos in order to bring order and shalom, healing. So part one, if you will, there is no chaos too big for God to enter into and restore and renew. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever mess you might be swimming in right now, whatever chaos might be happening in your life, there's, it is not too big for God. This God comes to enter into the chaos to renew, to restore, to repair, to heal. He's here to put you and I back together. Then Jesus calls a community of people to partner with him to be his disciples, his Talmudim, and putting all things back together. That's what he calls them to do. Subversively, though, and creatively. How does Jesus call them and say, how are we going to do this? Does he come swinging a sword? Does he say we're going to do this with militaristic power? Nope. He does it creatively and subversively. We're going to put things back together through love healing, shalom, not through violence. That's an old story. That's not our story. So part two, then, to bring about shalom, here's the thing that's stunning. It's both receiving spirit, yes, God, we're in, and then it's giving, it's restoring, it's participating. And something that is fascinating about even how the geography teaches. Jordan River begins at the base of Mount Hermon. The water, freshwater, flows into then the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee into the Jordan River. The Jordan River into the Dead Sea. Those are all fresh water. And then it goes into the Dead Sea, which is not fresh water. The Dead Sea is 33% salt. And we, my wife and I, we went in there and... It, what's stunning is you go into the, and you just lift your legs up and you sit there and float. And we, you literally, people are in the Dead Sea, and we were in there, and they're just reading books, sitting there floating. You float because it's 33% salt. It's dead. There, it, it cannot hold life. You don't find fish and plants in, in the Dead Sea because it can't. The next closest thing is in 
Utah, which is 6%, I believe, salt. It's the closest thing. 33% salt, the Dead Sea. Why? The Dead Sea flows into nothing. The Dead Sea only receives, it does not give, which it makes it dead. Now that preaches. We are meant to receive and we are meant to give. When you only receive and don't give, that's an anemic faith. We are meant to give, and so when spirit comes, then spirit renews, it goes, it recreates. Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, the shalom makers, for they will be called what? Kids of God, children of God. We, as the church, enter into the chaos to bring order and shalom because we are kids of our Father God. So we enter into the chaos to bring shalom. That's what we're called to do, is to say this. Our world goes this. Are you on this team or are you on this team? And what we say is, I love you, I love you, I'm on God's team. I'm not taking sides. Peacemaking is to say, I love you, you've got some good points, but you know what, that's a little off. You, I love you, you've got some good points, but that's a little off. And what I do is I love you both. What happens next? If you do that and don't take sides, guess what happens? They both don't like you. Are you on my side? No. Are you on their side? I'm on both sides. That's not okay. I like Michigan and Michigan State. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. I love the state of Michigan. You know how many times I've said that? And someone says, you can't do that. You have to pick a side. And if you just go, no, I love you both, guess what happens? They both go, you're out. <laughs> go to Notre Dame. It, or whatever it is, like, but all of a sudden you're out. And guess what comes right after blessed are the peacemakers? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. What happens if you say, I love you both, you can expect persecution to come your way. Because we want you to pick a side. God's side. Ugh. Yeah. We, we are in Israel, we are invited. We are at the Jordan River. And we are invited to step in, just walk in. We're not going to take our shoes off. We're not going to do this. We're just going to walk in. We're invited to walk into the Jordan River, to walk into the chaos as an act of entering into the chaos in order to bring shalom. So my wife and I walked into the Jordan River, and we, for about 15, 20 minutes, kind of sturdied ourselves in the Jordan River, and we just locked arms and we prayed. And we said, God, we don't want to sit on the bank here. We don't want to sit on the land in comfort. You have called us to enter into the chaos to bring shalom. So, Father God, where and how do you want us to enter into the chaos? So while we were in there, and we, yeah, a picture of my wife and I in there, while we're in the Jordan River, here's the thing. While we're in there, and there was about 50 of us in our group, and we piled into the Jordan River, and we were all kind of breaking off in couples and praying about where are we to enter into the chaos. While we're there, and we're trying to like, and they're reading scripture, and we're trying to do this, military helicopters came flying above us. 
five or six times these two helicopters came flying very low over top of us, and they kept coming. That shook us. It was so loud and so powerful. In the midst of us praying, God, how are we to bring shalom to the chaos? We were reminded that chaos is all around us as it flies above us. We're reminded. In this picture here, you can't see where, but zooming in, he, and this is how close we were, he is taking a picture of us. This Israeli military is taking a picture of us because he's like, what are these people doing in the Jordan River? And they're flying over, and he's taking a picture of us, but they were that close. It was just so loud, and we're like, oh, what are they doing? We're trying to pray. Ah, we're trying to pray, and there's chaos above us. Now, you can't make this up. After they went by about five or six times, then it went quiet, and we're standing there, and then all of a sudden, a white dove flies above our heads and lands in a tree right over here. And I looked, and I'm like, I immediately started making eye, talk, eye contact with others, and I'm like, did you, did you, and they're all looking at it, and they're like, did you, did you? And we immediately were like, there's a white, we, ugh. We bless you, God. We bless you, God. In the midst of chaos, you bring shalom. Repeat after me. Shalom. May tohu. Shalom may tohu. What that means is peace out of chaos. Peace out of chaos. Now, we were on the bus, and we were heading to our next site, and my wife and I were still praying and just talking about what this looks like, and I said, for me, already what's being embedded on my heart is I, I want something tangible, physical to bring with me, and we had an opportunity to get rings when we were in Jerusalem, and I said to my wife, I want something that just embedded on this. Now, I, I'm just not a tattoo guy because I need something tactile. I need to touch it, feel it. Uh, tattoo, I'll forget it's there. Uh, have to tattoo my eyeballs, I guess. Um, but I wouldn't do that, so I'm like, I want a ring. I need something tangible, physical, to remind me, and my wife said yes, to remind us that we are to bring peace out of chaos. And you ever had when words create new worlds? I said, that's it. She goes, what's it? I said, peace out of chaos. That's our calling. That's what we're to do. That's it. So I asked our Jewish guide, I said, Yehuda, what can I get on my ring in Hebrew? He said, whatever you want, I'm an expert in Hebrew. Uh, I said, Yehuda, can, what, would it, what does it mean to bring peace out of chaos? He said, oh, shalom metohu. I said, that's it. So in Jerusalem, uh, I ordered a ring that had in Hebrew engraved on it, shalom metohu in Hebrew. It said, shalom metohu. I got my ring. We got back from Israel on a Saturday. On Wednesday, my middle son had a swimming, uh, his class had a uh, uh, field trip, and they got to go swimming. And so we were at the Spring Lake Aquatic Center for some field trip for my son's class. They didn't have any male adults that were there, so my wife said they really need some sh chaperones that are males. Can you please just go for an hour and swim with these kids? Fine. I, I'll break away. I broke away at lunchtime. I went to go swim with my middle son. So I went in the locker room, changed. When I came out of the locker room at the end of our time swimming, I went to my locker, and my ring was stolen. And my boxers. 
weird, weird. Those are the two things missing. And actually how I knew my ring was missing is because I couldn't find my drawers. And I thought, what's going on? Where, where, where? And I'm like, wait a minute, my ring's going, oh, I see what happened here. I see what happened here. And my ring was gone and I began to panic and freak out and get all upset, like what just happened, what's going on? And so we sent search, they did video, they looked at the video stuff, can't find it, can't find it, can't find it. That day, whoo, did my windshield get a tongue lashing when I left the aquatic center. I was upset, why? Because I didn't just feel like it was a ring, I felt like I was violated. I felt like part of my journey was cut into. This wasn't just a ring, this was a message. And then I thought to myself, dear God, whoever stole it, may they somehow someone tell them what that thing says in Hebrew that they're holding on to. Peace out of chaos. They are creating chaos. May they know that the very thing they're stealing so that their heart would be cut. We are to bring peace out of chaos. I'll never forget that, whether or not I have the ring or not. That is our calling. It is desperately needed today. You turn on the news, you open the paper, whatever it may be, you are swimming in chaos, are we not? We as the church are called to bring shalom to that chaos. Good news in a world that's filled with a lot of bad news. How might we step into that? So two questions to wrap up for us. Two questions for us. One, is there any way in which you need to be renewed this morning, recreated or put back together? Is there something hurting, broken, fractured? Is there some sort of chaos in your life that you need to have put back together? There is no chaos too big for God. And two, how might God be calling you to step into the chaos in order to bring shalom, peace, wholeness. You might not have the whole picture, but what's the next right step? How are you feeling pulled, nudged, pulled, something in your heart going, what am I to do? Where am I to go? Who am I to speak to? to bring shalom to the chaos. My wife and I continue to pray about it. We continue to wrestle with it because what we're feeling more and more is to enter into the chaos. And guess what that is? Incredibly uncomfortable. We feel God constantly saying, get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone. See the chaos don't run from it. Don't hide from it. That's not what I called you to. In community, in community, not as rogue people, in community, we enter into the chaos in order to bring the peace of Christ. That's the invitation. It always has been, and it falls to us today. Church. How will you go after you've been put back together? As you're being put back together, how will you go? Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you 
for meeting us right where we are. You, God, desire to renew, restore, redeem. You've done the heavy lifting. You've done the hard work in and through Jesus to put us back together, for us to fall before you and say, help, please. Yes, please. Put me back together. Heal, redeem that which is broken. And then, God, send us. Open our eyes so that we might see where there is chaos around us that you want us to enter into in order to bring your peace. Give us ears to hear where we might bring peace. Compel our hearts to move, to go, to love all those you love. Give us boldness. Give us your spirit. Give us your patience and your perseverance. As you know, God, we live in a world of utter chaos, but we know how the story ends. We know where there is victory. So call us out of the sidelines, off of the bank and into the river in order to bring your peace. We pray this by the power and name of the resurrected Jesus. And the church said, I'd love to just kind of invite you, if you would love prayer, so I'm going to pray with, pray for, pray with you, sit with you. Uh, there will be folks up here. Uh, I'd be up here as well. I'm glad to pray with you. Um, but then I'd love to offer a word of benediction as well. We'll create space where you can come forward, and that's beautiful if you want prayer. Uh, but if you uh, want to get going, we can do that as well. But I'd love to word, offer a word of benediction, a word of blessing over you. So would you stand with me? Gateway friends. Church, may you know that God is about restoration, redemption, and putting all things back together. Where there is spirit, there is renewal. May you know in the depths of your soul that God can and will heal you and put you back together. And then may you, church, may you have ears to hear and hearts to understand where he is calling you, sending you in order to bring peace among the chaos. And when you go, when you step into those waters in community, may the peace of Christ be with you all. Amen and amen.